Baker Breaker 1-9 to all of our rad roadies out there. Can you hear us? Are we loud and clear? Oh boy. CB <laughs> jargon. Here we go. Today on the show, we got a young man that's in the Marines. Let's get started. Yes. Diego Garcia. We're so glad that he's joining us today. We're going to talk about his story and um, his decision to be in the military. Woo woo. We're so proud of him. But how he almost hopped out and now he's taking it to the nth degree, I would say. Yeah, like next level. Next level. Maybe not even next level, like 10 levels all at once. But we'll dive into that. We've been on the road a little bit. We're actually in Salt Lake City right now. Yeah, home. Feels like home. Yeah, it feels like home. We're like rolling into town and we're like, we both had different reactions to it, right? Yeah. I felt like we never left. Yeah, I felt the same way too. Like I'm rolling into town. I'm like, we just left here. Yeah. But uh, anyway, it felt weird for me, I guess. It did feel weird. But then weird. we walk into, we're, we're in Salt Lake City for... Um, conference at Awaken Church and you walk in and it's like we're home it's our family yeah we miss everybody bad it makes me just want to come back <laughs> and people are telling us to come back and we're like well maybe but we're not coming back yet like we no. got we got too much work to do out here on the road now what God wants for us right yeah. now and we've been doing some work too so yes. we took a tractor well we took a bunch of stuff out and we started, like, we dropped in Washington. That was like a whole spectacle thing. And and then uh, ended up in the Portland area. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. Well, so as you all know, we have a map on our website on theradicalroad.com. And the map actually has pinpointed non-denominational churches that truck drivers and travelers and the wanderlust can actually uh, find a church in their area and go to on a Sunday, or there's online links as well. And we decided since we were in the Portland area, we were going to try the Collective Church, which is in Tigard, Oregon. Yeah. I wanted to say Tigard. Like Tigger. I'm like, like Tigger. Like, is it Tiggard or like Tigard? Winnie the, like Winnie the Pooh's friend. I'm like trying to find this on the map. I'm like, there's no Tigger around here. What are you talking about? Our young couple friends, they live around there yeah. in um, Hillsboro. And they were like, no, Jess, it's Tigard. <laughs> yeah. If you've ever met my wife, she's not good at pronouncing sometimes some of the words. I'm so it's kind of funny. Absolutely horrible. And I make fun of her about it all and the time. And you guys can all laugh too when you're listening yeah. in. But Tigard. It's okay. T-I-G-A-R-D. Um, it'd be like south south of the downtown area mm-hmm. a little ways. Um, but we went to this church and man, it's it, it, it's not big yet. No. It's not like a big church. It's growing. They have multiple services, but man, that place is mighty. Yeah. So if you're looking for a good church around Portland area, the collective church. And the best part was we got to meet a couple of our friends from Salt Lake City because they're from that area. Um, they kind of end up in Salt Lake City because one of them is a snowboard instructor up at Brighton. So we met them in Salt Lake, but their their home is technically Portland area. So we got to spend the day with them. They came to church with us and it was just so cool. Felt like we had these built-in guides. Yeah, they kind of showed us around a little bit, took us to a really cool restaurant. I don't remember the name of it. It was uh, McMenamin's 
Rock Creek Pub or Tavern, something like that. Yeah, in something like Hillsboro, Oregon. And it felt like we were in another country going to this little place. It was so cute. Yeah. Like moss growing on the rooftop and well, you think of Portland, you think of city, and we're like outside the city in the country, basically. And then just in the middle of nowhere on the side of the road, it's like this, it's, they took like an old house or something and built it into this pub restaurant place. And apparently yeah. this is their thing. Like they do it all around the city. They find these unique um, buildings and redo them and put all these crazy decorations and stuff. Amazing place. The food was really good. Very good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they're known. The McMenamins are known in Oregon. And so, yeah, and then we actually ended up having a prayer session with our friends' father. He had found out he had brain cancer, and I, I was on—Matt and I were actually were on a prayer team praying for him while he was in the hospital, and— it was crazy the praise reports that were coming back at us that when he was getting tests done at the hospital, they were all coming back like clean and the doctors and um, the nurses were all amazed at the the tests that were coming back. They were like, how is this happening? Yeah, they well, were just God. shocked. Yeah, yeah just God, shocked. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, miracles. Miracles are real. And so he still does have some cancer left in his brain and they told him he needed to do chemo to remove it. And he's a very intelligent man. He's an engineer and he's like, that's fine, but I'm going to do it on my terms. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he started investigating some of this stuff and you know what it does to your body and whatnot. He's like, I'm not sure how I feel about this, but it was interesting Meaning because yeah, it was interesting yeah. because um, you know, this tumor was kind of growing like towards the back of his head or something. Mm -hmm. And whatever was going on in there was pushing his brain stem and kind of doing some goofy stuff, which is how they figured out they had this thing. But, you know, now that they removed it and took all this gunk out of his brain and near his spinal cord and stuff, it's kind of unlocked some things in him. Like he just, he was up for a lot of nights and um, just you know, communicating with God, like nonstop. Mm -hmm. just, Building business plans. <laughs> but it was just so fascinating to sit here and listen to that. And I'm like, and he's like, I feel like my balance has improved too. He's like, I feel like a teenager. And he's actually but, engin an engineer for Freightliner. Yeah. Which is cool. So it was cool. So we got to talk trucks a little bit. And he's the only man that I know that drives a semi to work every day. So I'm like, yes. oh, this is hilarious. But I, I just got the biggest kick out of him. He's one of those people that has the best stories and you just want to hang around all day long. Yeah, so, but... Uh, but we so, prayed for him, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, so he has this, you know, on his plate right now. Yeah. Um, where he's trying to make a decision about his health and what he wants to do. And we're like, hey, can we just come around you? And, you know, his daughter's there. His daughter's husband's there. We just all got around him and prayed on him. And, and it was powerful. Right. It's finished. Powerful. It's done. We, yeah. we just, we felt like it's gone. Yep. So we're declaring so healing we're declaring in the sky. We're declaring healing. And so we're looking forward to that praise report that yep. that cancer is totally gone. We love you, Ted. So we love you, Ted. Can't wait to see you again. Yeah. Can't wait to fly in your homemade airplane. <laughs> yes. He's a pilot too. And we got to hang out in the hangar in uh, Hillsborough where uh, Nike has their hangar as well. Their jets in it. Amazing. 
Amazing. Holy cow. We rode scooters around the airport hangar. It was yeah. fun. <laughs> it was fun. We told them next time we come back, we want them to fly us. <laughs> so. Not sure how I feel about that. These people are adrenaline junkies. They'll all be up there doing barrel rolls and stuff. <laughs> but. Oh, yeah, they're fun. So anyway, uh, let's get to... Let's get to Diego here. Yeah, let's get to Diego. Let's talk about Diego. Diego, how are you doing today, bud? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys? Thanks for being here with us. Thank you for having me. Yeah. <laughs> so how old are you, Diego? I'm uh, 21. 21. So I don't know what your thinking was, but... You know, we met Diego through our church. We're friends with his parents. And, and for me, I'm looking at this young man, you know, and you look around the world and you see the young generation right now and some of the things that are going on with them and just things that are happening in young people. And I see this kid, 21 years old, that's just so put together. Like these are the type of young men that we want to highlight and put on our show. Absolutely. Um, because he does have an amazing story. Yes. Um, and he's an amazing kid. And we just want to talk about that, right? Yeah. And he's serving our country. And, you know, at, at our church, the one thing I love about Awaken Church, where we met um, Diego and his family, is that we're about honoring. You know, we honor our leaders. We honor people. And we honor Diego because he is serving our country right now. And anyone that belongs to our church that serves, we honor them. And so we are honored to have you here with us and to tell your story. So if you would just kind of start, you know, where are you from originally? Uh, I'm from Utah. Okay. Born and raised Utah. So how many siblings do you have? I have uh, two siblings, an older and a younger sister. Okay. Your parents. So tell me a little bit about your parents. Both my parents are from Mexico. They met each other in San Francisco when, uh, you know, fate brought them together. Uh, they've been happily married since, since that first time. And they've been living here in Utah. And how long have they been in Utah? Oh, that's a great question. I want to say since sometime in the 80s, okay. 80s, 90s. I, I remember my dad became a citizen through uh, Ronald Reagan and an act that he, really? uh, that he gave out uh, to help immigrants get their, get their green card. That's awesome. I did not realize that. So are they from the same part of Mexico or like logistically, where are they from in Mexico? Oh, no. Uh, my dad is 100%. Uh, he's a farm boy. Uh, my mom is 100% a city girl. She's from the, <laughs> yes. she's from the city. My dad's from, uh, from the fields. Really? Interesting. Yeah. And somehow they ended up in San Francisco. Yes. Ended up in San Francisco. And then from there, they kind of just stuck together and uh, they've moved here and there and haven't separated since. So I met uh, Diego's mom, um, Patty. Patty and I were in Pathfinders together, which is a business mastermind course. It's five months long through Awaken Church. It's incredible, incredible course. Uh, but so we were accountability partners. So we became really close friends. And I'll never forget. She goes, you know, Jess. You're not the typical blonde. <laughs> and I started laughing. I go, I get this a lot. And she goes, Yeah, I love you. <laughs> and so we just like hit it off. We just hit, she's just amazing. Your mom is just like one of my, she's just got a special place in my heart. But what I find interesting is that, so at the time here, I meet your mom and Matt and I owned a cleaning business. 
So we are entrepreneurs, but your parents own a trucking business, oh. right? You and know. what's the name of your trucking? The trucking Pismo, uh, Pismo Transportation. Yes, yeah. Pismo Transportation. And so here, this all plays out with the radical road where God's calling us out onto the radical road. And Patty and Francisco, they were so open to allowing us to use their truck for our cover page that we have currently, but they're just hearts of gold. Your family has hearts of gold and you have the most amazing parents. And do you think that that has played a role in your, in the way that you are today? A hundred percent. Yes. I do believe that. Yeah. yeah. In well, what way? Just different things that my mom has taught me and my dad has taught me. My dad's generosity is unmatched from what I've seen growing up and my mom's determination and no quit attitude for sure as well as my dad's hard work they all played in very well mm -hmm. raising me so you didn't want to get in the trucking industry as of, <laughs> as of right now i was thinking about it we'll see whether yeah. where god takes me after after the the current mission so you have contemplated it oh yes it's hard not to when your dad's so heavily into it right like oh, yes. he's done it for a while he's been driving as long as i've been born 21 yeah. years yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And how many trucks do they have? As of right now, they stand at five. Yeah. Yeah. Five they trucks. just sold some trucks. I know that. Yes. Um, I believe they sold two or three. Yeah. No, I was mentioning to her earlier because I'm like, obviously your parents are amazing. And, you know, you touched on some things, but, you know, I'm just, I just know when I got older as a man, like I started reflecting on the things that really, molded me to who I am. You touched on some of them, the hardworking aspect. What are some other things that you felt, you know, that they instilled in you that has made, like, you're just an incredible dude. Like, I can't get over it. You're 21 years old, but you just seem so mature. So I'm just curious. What do you contribute because, to that? Because I wasn't that mature when I was 21. Like, I was just kind of running around like a crazy person. It wasn't that my parents weren't good people and they instilled some things in me. But do you think there's something specifically there that just put you a step ahead of people your age? Uh, I'd want to definitely say it came from my mom. Yeah. And her, her, her mentality of if you're going to do something, you're going to do it good and you're going to finish. And she brought that into our family, whether it was, we're going to wake up early, we're going to go to church. Mm -hmm. It was just little things like that. First it was, I don't want to go, I don't want to wake up okay, you're still going anyway, kind mm -hmm. of a thing. And she instilled that in me and my siblings. And so that kind of was definitely a main factor of, all right, you know, if I want to do something, I'm going to do it regardless. And if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it well, and I'm going to finish it. Yeah. So have you, like, can you, have you been going to church as long as you can remember? Yes. It's, there's been periods where it's, it hasn't always been non-denominational. Mm -hmm. There's been, at first it was um, Seventh-day Adventists, as was, that was for a while. And then from there, we uh, slowly transitioned thanks to uh, a family, the Contreras, mm -hmm. uh, their son. Uh, it was my best friend growing up. And it started with, hey, I'm going to sleep over. They took me to their church. Okay, that's fine. Hey, mom, this church is great. You mm -hmm. should probably, you know, try it out. Okay. We started transitioning little by little. Um, there was also periods in, in time where it's a little darker times where, you know, we weren't as consistent as we should have been. Um, I strayed away from church for about a year or so, um, followed different paths. But at the end of the day, we always came back to 
to God and to church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So why do you come back to God? What draws you back? We want to say, I want to say specifically, it's just lessons and just moments that we have in our family where we just realize we need to, we need to come back. Like he's still here. He's still trying to, he's still trying to draw us towards him. We're kind of, we need to stop resisting in, in a way and just kind of accept it and push forward with it. Yeah. So as Christians, you, you there's this point where we re- refer to it as being saved. Like we give our life to Christ. Do, do you remember that day? You know, cause I, like I didn't grow up in the church necessarily just did, but we've discussed that. And, you know, it comes to this point where, you know, it's your decision about what, what your feeling is, your commitment to Christ. Do you remember when that happened for you? How old you were? Yes, I do. I was 10 years old and it was at a church. It was a church that uh, one of our family friends went to. Yeah. I was 10 years old inside. I was in the, the ministry for kids and a guy stepped in and asked, who here wants to dedicate their life to Christ? And at first I was, I was, I was confused. I was, I believe, 10, 10 right. years old, 10, 11 years old. And I was like, I'll do it. No. Yeah. We stepped us outside, talked. Before I knew it, I was on my way to get baptized. And from there, I already knew, I, I, I had a feeling this is right. I know what I'm doing is right. Yeah. Wow. Incredible. So how old were you when you decided to get into the military? I've, I've known since I was little, since very little. I, since I was old enough to think, I would dress up as a soldier for Christmas, for Halloween, my bad. And I would just have a bunch of military stuff, toys hanging around my room, all that kind of stuff. Since, since I was little, my parents always knew it was something they didn't really want for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why didn't they want it for you? Uh, I was, I'm the first generation. I'm the first one to go into the military in my entire, my entire family history. And so it was, it was uh, stepping into a dark room mm-hmm. and walking it alone without any experience, without any help of my family or anything. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was scary for my mom as well. Yeah. Well, and your, your family is very close knit. Yes. So I know that's, that's why it's hard on your mom too, because you guys are very tight. You have a very tight bond and relationship. So, I mean, is it like that fear of, oh, there's going to be a war and he's going to have to go off and maybe get killed? Or like, what's, where was the fear there? That as well. Yeah, yeah. She didn't mm-hmm. want to lose her only son and right. to go off to do something. Yeah, that makes mm-hmm. sense. So, when did you join? Like, as soon as you got out of high school? No, um, I, I suppressed the want to go. Um, although there was many signs that God was throwing at me. I, I suppressed it and I decided to stay. I attended college for a little bit and I believe I was 19 years old when um, I was getting ready to register for my classes. And at this point, I have severe depression, anxiety. I was addicted to nicotine. I was drinking consistently, doing things I know I shouldn't have, but I did it to suppress myself from having to be there. And so... Um, as I was registering for classes, I get called in. My counselor tells me, listen, none of your classes went through. Your schedule is completely clean. You have to go back and restart your entire thing. And the, the most amazing thing about that is before I stepped into that room, I was outside praying and I had a 15 second prayer between me and God. And it's been, it's, it's been a while since I've had a prayer like that. I asked him, am I doing the right thing? Or do you still want me to continue this? Is this just is this a test per se? 
And walking out of there after the prayer and all these emotions just came in and I didn't know what to do. I thought, okay, what now? And from there, I got a call from my recruiter who I was, last I contacted was maybe my sophomore, junior year of high school. She said, hey, are you still interested in joining the military? And at this point, it's been maybe a year and a half since I left high school and I went for it. I went for it. I went in first meeting. I signed that dotted line and said, I'm ready to do this. Good for you. So you said yes and amen to God. Oh, yes. <laughs> United States Marine Corps. Oh, yeah. Hoorah. Yes. What an amazing tradition. So, you know, we love God, but we are patriots yes, in every we sense. Are. We love this country. We do. We love military people because, you know, they we value do, our freedoms. They do something that most people don't want to do, you know? It, it takes a lot of courage and there's a lot of bravery and, you know, I don't know. I just, I have such a high respect for people of military and I've tried over the years to do as many things as I can in that area. And Jess, like, she's so good. She's, every time we see military people, she'll stop them. Thank you for your service. Um, like every time we see them. So we have a lot of respect for them, and that's partially one of the reasons we want to talk to you. Tell us about boot camp, Marine boot camp. And the the best way is it's the funniest place that you're not allowed to laugh. And <laughs> what that is that is for sure. the um, The best way to get you is by trying to make you laugh. It's definitely it's definitely more mental than it is physical. Especially the first night there, having a massive bay. They have red fluorescent lights over you. You're in the room with 50 plus strangers that, mm -hmm. you know, you all sign the same contract. You all, you're all there. Big dude comes in, you know, starts screaming, wake up, go do your things every day. And it, it, it gets better throughout, throughout the more you stay. And when you realize, you know, it's to them, it's a job, you know, you have to realize it's, it's just a mind game. Once you get past that, um, it was rough. There was moments where I uh, I did want to quit. There where it was why why I signed up for this. You know, other people thought the same. Right. But um, at the end of it, um, I kept going to the services throughout boot camp, the ones they offered, and mm -hmm. I went through a time of COVID. Uh, we all had masks on, um, and event my platoon actually did get COVID while we were there from one of the drill instructors, and so it made things twice as hard for us trying to. Uh, trying to cooperate as a team, you know, with, hey, this guy can't function correctly, so we're going to have to separate him. And my platoon actually dropped from 56 recruits down to graduating class of, I believe, maybe 30, 30-something, 30 39 recruits by the end of it, or 39 yeah. Marines, I should say, by the end of it. Um, it's definitely an experience um, worthwhile. So, yeah, so you went through this experience not just like any other Marine, but you went through it through COVID. Yes. Incredible. So is that what how some of the recruits, how you lost them was because of COVID? Like, did it create health issues or what, what was that all about? Yes. Um, it definitely created a lot of issues, uh, especially for their lungs when it came to, like, running or stuff like that. And so it, it made it easier for them to be seen as to be separated rather than just continue pushing forward and risk their health. 
Oh, interesting. And and then, you know, the military was required to get their vaccinations. So did you see some people drop off at that point too? Yes. Um, by that time, I was in my schoolhouse. And it was a mandatory thing when it passed over. Um, they basically told us, hey, you have two options. You know, you get the vaccine or we can help you process you out. And for a lot of guys, it's we just started. We we're about to finish. So we're just going to go through with the vaccines. Mm-hmm. Well, and my take on that as a person of faith is you are a warrior that was born for this very time and to be in the military. It's your calling on your life. Um, and you have said that. And But regardless, if you've gotten the the vaccination, it's one of those things like, I know your mom, she's praying every day. She's praying against the effects of that vaccination on your body. And we have such a good, good father that I'd like to believe that he's going to cleanse your body of that, even if you're forced to take it. So I'd like to think that that's the way our father works. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Is that kind of where your head was at? Because I don't know. I mean, the circles we're in, we're just, we were, we're really nervous about getting the vaccines and what could happen with that. Like, as a Christian, where was your head at when that came through the pipeline? Was it just a matter of, oh, I just started this? Or what What was your thinking around that? To be honest, um, after boot camp, I don't want to say I kind of lost sight of Christ. But um, after boot camp, the next portion of our training was extremely brutal and dark on us mentally. Mm-hmm. And so after that, it was... I kind of lost sight of what I was doing. And during the schoolhouse, I worked so hard to get to where I was um, mm-hmm. to the point where I would say it was more of a selfish, I'm going to do it because this is my, um, I've gotten this far. I've worked so hard. Um, so I, I want to say afterwards, it was something where I prayed about it. I talked to a lot of people about it. And I do, I do know that our father will eventually cleanse it off so yeah. forth yeah. um and i feel forgiven for what i've done losing sight of it and being selfish. yeah you have a peace yes and that's so good yeah well i just bring that up because i know like as a church we had people coming through the doors that kind of had regret around that so i was just curious like you know when it's forced on you like that where your head goes as a man of faith um, so I like that. I'd, yeah. And I like it. I like talking to you about this too, because I've known other young, um, people that have served in the military. One was in California, one's out of Iowa, and they also were struggling with that decision too. So that was a tough decision. And we had neighbors that also were struggling with it, um, that were young adults and it, it was forced upon all of the military. And it was a decision that you guys had to make. So whether you're staying in or you're getting out. And, you know, as a person that pays close attention to the strength of our military and protection of our country and stuff, you know, I was looking at it as like, are we going to have all these men just drop out of the military? And now we sit vulnerable because we don't have, you know, enough men there, but it seems like we're okay. I don't know. Um, In terms of strength of military, I feel like, we're, we're pretty good position 
But initially I'm like, what the heck's going to happen with this? Like, you know, it's kind of that fear thing kind of creeps in. But from your point of view, what do you see the numbers as, Diego? Are they pretty good or are we low on numbers? As of lately, it's no big secret that the military did take a hit. Um, I personally still see strength in a lot of the men and women that still join and uh, that are mm-hmm. continuing in. Um, but again, the numbers have dropped significantly since the start of the epidemic and due to a lot of issues happening. Mm-hmm. But I, I still have strong hope that our military is still strong as it is. Um, yeah. Coming from a biased opinion, I still see the Marine Corps a strong force to be reckoned with. Yeah. Um, and especially nowadays where space force is popping up and they're taking over more of the, you know, the new level of warfare that's, that's appearing. Yeah. So what's your favorite thing about the Marines since you've been in it for a little bit? Um, the, my favorite thing, I would have to say the people that I meet, definitely the bonds that I have made um, from day one to day today now and I'm always been for I'm always been in for two years now mm-hmm. and I still talk to buddies that I were complete strangers to me and now they're they're my brothers my sisters good and so was there a time um that you felt like you didn't you were going to give up on it that you weren't going to do it at all anymore yes there were there were a few moments the main one was um I was finally getting settled into my unit my first unit and um, everything was going well. They were putting me on assignments. There was promotions in my future. There was a lot of great things for me. And out of nowhere, they removed me from that, from these people I have known for almost a year now, for a year and a few months. They picked me up and moved me to a completely new unit by myself. Mm-hmm. And from there, I, I kind of lost hope. That's and rough. I no longer want to be a part of it. So what do you think the reasoning was behind that? Like you just were in the dark of why they moved you or what did you think was happening? I was in the dark um, for a little bit. I asked I asked for the wisdom of some of my um, superiors, the wisdom of outside military sources. Um, at the end of the day, they said, you know, the Marine Corps needs, they, may, they probably needed a body. Somebody tried to encourage me saying they saw your stats, they saw your numbers, what you've done, and they mm-hmm. wanted you to be a part of this unit. Um, at the end, I figured out it was, they wanted me on a deployment. And um, I kind of just want to stick with that one as the positive one. They picked me because I was one of the best. But I didn't mm. feel like the best at the time. Yeah. No surprise. <laughs> so, you th- so you actually thought about maybe getting out at that point? Yes. When they transferred me to the u- new unit, it was it was a shock. It's most of my superiors, higher-ups, has never seen anything like this happen before. Mm-hmm. It was new to most units to transfer almost, I wasn't even a year in the fleet yet, and they were already transferring me to a new unit. It was almost unheard of. And so when I thought when I heard about this, I kind of lost hope. I was thinking, I'm being taken away from my friends, from what I know, and into this new unit where at first wasn't very welcoming. Um, I, without the friends, my support there, I quickly lost hope. Quickly, very quickly lost hope. And this is what intrigues me because, um, you know, generally speaking, most people would give up at that point, right? They would give up and you didn't. So what do you think it was that made you stay in? 
I want to say at first it was it was my family and then from there it was also not knowing at the time that God was kind of poking me with a stick yeah. or you know grabbing <laughs> the steering wheel however you want to put it right I was still blinded by what was happening at the time and it wasn't until later finding out it was it was definitely God saying hey you know I'm taking the wheel back for a little bit you know you know take off cruise cruise control so share with us what then came came to play out after that, after you almost give, gave up. After, um, when I first came to the unit, my first thought was to escape. I wanted to escape. I wanted to give up. I looked for every way out, the easy way, the hard way. And I found a way which was not as difficult. It was a, a lap move to a different MOS. And um, at the time, I thought, you know, this is this was my worth. This is what I'm worth. I'm worth to just move to a different MOS, start over, start at the bottom, you know. And um, it almost hit me in a dream where it was, that's not your worth. Keep trying. And I continue. I was like, all right, let's see what else there is. Um, I'm going to try for recon, which was a tier three special forces. I'm going to get my paperwork filled out. I'm going to transfer to recon. You know, that's my limit. Those guys are already hardcore as it is. No, that's that's not quite it. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> there. What what now? Do you want me to get out, join another branch? Like I'm confused at this point. Everything I tried to do fell through. Every plan I had, my recon package disappeared. My lat move package disappeared. Everything, nothing would continue forward from where I started. And I thought, all right, you know, I'm going to do a 15 second prayer, which is what my main go to is is I'll sit down and I'll just do a 15 second prayer, just a conversation between me and God. And he came to me and said, all right, you know, I'm, I'm kind of tired of you just, you know, wobbling around. I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm just going to kind of put it on you. And Marsoc popped up and Marsoc is their tier two special forces. One of, you know, they're the baddest of the baddest in the Marine Corps. And I've always seen them walk around. I know their stories. I I've always, you know, thought that, wow, that's amazing. You know, they're up there with the seals. They're up there with all this, but that's not me. No, that's definitely not me. No, God, uh, you're, 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 you're looking at the wrong guy. No, this is you. This is you. No, 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 you're wrong. And it was just <laughs> back and forth, back and forth. And I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to go back to the, my other options. You know, I'm going to kind of ignore, ignore what you, uh, what you're throwing on the table. You know, that's not me. And, uh, he didn't like that very much. Um, let me tell you, he kept he kept coming at me every single day with, no, no, it's right here. Stop looking over here, you know, push forward, push forward. And I thought, I can't do it. I'm not worth that. That's not, I don't see myself as valued. I'm not that much of a warrior to do mm-hmm. something like these men do. Mm-hmm. And so um, it just continued on for, for weeks until one point God finally was like, all right, you know what? Start throwing people in my way. And one of the main influences in my life uh, for it was, um, he was a Navy SEAL captain. His name was Tom, nicknamed Pa. Mm-hmm. 30 years, did contracting afterwards. I called him for advice when I came home and I asked him, I don't know what to do, Tom. I want to do recon. It's not the easy way out, but it's definitely not Marsoc, you know? Yeah. And he said, no, don't do recon. He's like, if you're going to do it, go all out. He's like, yes. he's like, you're not going to regret it. Trust me. And I was like, all right. And Tom was, he was a man of God as well. His, his grandson, biggest influence on my life coming to Christ. But I said, okay, you know what? Maybe 
I'm going to see where things keep going. And one day I remember my friends, I've mentioned Marcel a few times and my friends came through one day and they're like, Hey, we, we happened to stop by the Marsoc. You know, we ran into a recruiter. We're outside your, we're outside your barracks with, with your paperwork to do Marsoc. <laughs> <laughs> I start losing my mind. I'm like, wow. oh, I was like, at this point, you know. Okay, I, God, I, I see outside. you. I see what yeah. you're doing. Hundred <laughs> percent. Now you're yeah. using my friends to push me into it. Uh-huh. Oh yes, and these, <laughs> these are. This was a moment where it was just. I was like, all right, God, this is it. This is the moment. I ran out there, grabbed my package, excited, rushed with emotions, and believe it or not, I set the package aside, and I was, I and at this point, it wasn't that. I was pushing God's, God's, you know, path away. It was, I was scared. Mm. I was, I will admit I was scared. Right. Yeah. Of fear. The unknown yeah. of what will happen. And it wasn't until I started going back to awaken. My mom came through with, uh, you don't want to go to church. That's too bad. Get up. We're going to church. <laughs> <laughs> and. Um, Good job, Patty. <laughs> one of the first people, first or second person I, we ran into, shook his hand. How hard are you? Oh, my son here's in the military. My mom loves loves it. You know, my son's a Marine. Oh, really? We have a few Marines here. Believe it or not, the man right behind him was in Marsoc. He was an ex-raider. And uh, he pulled me aside. And I will never forget the conversation. He grabbed my hand as like the the most aggressive handshake ever. Pulled me close. <laughs> face to face. So you want to be a raider? All right. You know, we got if you're gonna do it, you're gonna be tough, you're gonna be strong, you have to have the will to do it. And I remember I was just horrified. I was, I was like, who is this man? And he was like, you're going to do it. He's like, this is, this is what's going to happen. You're going to go through, you're going to pass, you're going to pass Marsoc. You're going to get out of the Marine Corps and then you're going to become a lawyer and then you're going to have the best life. And I was like, okay, okay. I was like, I was like, all right. Oh, wow. And at that point I got back and I started was filling that out prophetic? my package. Was he like prophetically speaking into your life? I mean. I hope he was. He was a very <laughs> right? intense, he was very intense. I'd like to meet this guy. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, wow, he was one of three others that were raiders at that church. And the only time I've ever met a raider was was on my base. Now, is this the Awaken in San Diego? Yes, this was Awaken San Marcos, I believe. Oh, San Marcos. Yes, we went there. Amazing. Amazing church. Yes. I believe it was San Marcos or it would have been Balboa. One of the two. It was great. It was that at that point I went back and I started filling out my package. I was, it was like, confirmed. Right, this is it. it was confirmed at that point. I was like, <laughs> all right, you know, you scared me with my friends. You scared me with, with this super intense man. And <laughs> God wanted to get your attention, oh, Diego. Yes. <laughs> and he did. It's interesting. Like I'm listening to the story, how he knows the plan set ahead of us, right? Like he already has our plans set and just how he reveals them. And he's so intentional, but he saw your worth your worth is in him, really, right? You didn't see your worth. Like, he sees your worth. That you are very capable and worthy to be a special op. He knows that. So, I love that. So, where are you at in the process? You fill out this package. Like, is there like an interview process? Where are you at in this thing? As of right now, it's for for my case i fill out my package and i actually submit it in august and it's a one year wait time and so i will be leaving next august for ans once my package has been fully submitted so i mean do they just accept you or like is there 
certain amount of credentials you have to have or like how does that work yes the package is it's quite extensive it's a lot of uh medical uh medical and knowledge per se Mm -hmm. they check your scores they check how you're doing medically if there's anything that might be an issue the recruiter uh per se they're they're very open at you know for questions and stuff like that it's it's like re-enlisting all over again Mm -hmm. and so um, when I when I have not met the recruiter yet, my buddy was the one who brought me the package and so forth. But uh, it's just as of right now, I have most of it filled out, and pretty soon will be submitted next month. So you feeling good about it now? Like you still nervous about it? Like oh, no more. I I all my fear, all of my anything I had, my doubt had disappeared. As the second I started filling out that package, I was feeling like a new man. I dropped. I stopped drinking, I stopped smoking, I stopped partying, I stopped all these crazy things. Mm-hmm. And it was, that was my focus. That was my main focus. It was, all right, if God's gonna, if God's telling me to go this way, I'm gonna follow my instincts, which is go all out. Yeah, And that means training mentally and physically and just getting ready for that. Yeah. Wow. That's, what a lens with focus. I love it. And it's so good that these men at the church got around you and spoke into your life. We've spoke about this before on the show, just the importance of the community and people discipling other people, because it really kind of gave you the direction you needed. So I don't want to miss that piece either. Right. Um, Getting the right people around you, people that can speak into your life and give you, help get you on the right track and give you peace about a decision, right? Yeah, and um, confirm it. So if you could give any other young people your age adv- good advice, what would it be? The main thing is, something I see a lot in this generation is people quit when it gets rough. And I'm, again, I'm, I'm a hypocrite to say that because I was looking for the way out as well. But again, the greatest thing I've ever heard was if you're going to do something, go all out. Right. You know, what's worse, the feeling of failure or the feeling of regret? And so if you're out there and you have a goal that you want to reach or ambitions that you want to follow, it's best to just go through with it. Either way, you know, you're going to feel regret or failure or success. And I I highly recommend you just go all out. Don't give up, especially when it gets rough, especially when it gets difficult. Don't look for the easy way out. I, rec- I I was talking to someone today actually about 15 second prayers, mm-hmm. just 15 seconds in your car, in your office, wherever you are. It doesn't have to be something. God is, God is there for us. He's here to listen. We're here to talk to him. He will listen when you, when he knows that you are talking to him directly, sit down 15 seconds. Am I doing the right thing? Am I following the right path? I need, I need guidance and God will come through. And it's best to remember, don't be angry when he doesn't. Don't be angry when he doesn't. <laughs> right. That's, a That's big great thing. advice for everybody, yes. actually. Um, not just the young people. That's great advice for everyone, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Because his plans are much different than ours sometimes, right? Yes. And we have all these expectations of what we want our life to look like. And when it doesn't pan out that way, you know, we get upset. And honestly, God has... <laughs> God has better plans. We just have to be patient and wait it out. Yeah, 100%. What is something that really 
what bothers you about your generation currently right now? Like what's hard for you to sit back and watch? For sure it's, and I mean this respectfully, of course, but this generation doesn't know how to take a hit, especially if it's a positive hit or a negative hit. They take everything extremely personal and they carry that with them with a victim victim mentality as well of my story is worse than yours. I am the victim. I will always be the victim. And it doesn't help when there's just a generation of victims. We also need the generation of problem solvers. Those who are, I was hit. I'm going to make the best of this. So no one else has to feel this anymore. That's good. And so honestly, the generation is just very negative. To mm-hmm. just see things positive, take a hit every now and then, shake it off. Yeah. Nothing's permanent. Nothing's going to be forever. You know, there's better things on the other side of your pain. Always. Yes. That's good, Diego. I take it back. That was a great question. <laughs> I mean, I think it's really important that young people in their 20s, like you, Diego, like we need powerhouse young adults like you. And so I would just love to see the, this generation, the 20-some-year-olds, just to just take the blinders off their eyes and remove the fog and see around them and just become warriors of this time, just like you. And I know many others too, just like you, but that's what's going to help this country. Regardless of if the young adults are in the military or not, we need young adults to rise up in every area right now, every area of life. We need young adults to rise up and be strong. Yeah. Yeah. You're a warrior in the truest sense. You're in the military, but, uh, you know, we, we need warriors in every single arena of this country, you know, education, businesses, but you're the true warrior. Yeah. You're the textbook warrior. And I love that you go to the true source for everything. You go to God. You're so full of faith and you know your truth. You know the truth, the only truth, right? And I love that you are grounded in him. And that's where your success is going to continue to lie as you continue to move through life is because you're grounded in him. You'll never be the victim. (laughs) Never again. No. So thank you for joining us today. Of course. Yes. You blow me away, man. It's good to see young men like you. It's been a pleasure having you on this show. We honor you. We respect what you're doing. And stay in it. Keep going. You got it in you. We see it in you. There's other people that saw it in you. You're going to kill it, man. Yeah, we'll have to have you back. Of course. (laughs) Yeah, we'll get you through some of this training. I want to hear about this stuff. Like, it's pretty radical. The training. Yeah, um, and don't forget to drink your giddy up. <laughs> <laughs> Cheap plug. Cheap plug. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So, all right. Well, that's a wrap. That's it for today, folks. Well, until we see you next time. We're back on the road. Yeah, talk Couple to you later. Couple days. Le- we'll see you on the road. Yeah, see you on the road, Rad Roadies.